Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. When you think of prayer, what do you think of? Is it casting a rope up for help when you need it most? Is it how you try to develop a relationship with the God of the universe? Or do you see it as more of a meditation, primarily meant to focus your thoughts and feelings? It's been said that prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. Yet many of us don't feel like we experience that. So how do we experience that kind of power in our lives through prayer? We explore that and more in our current series, Prayer. Let's continue the upward journey. Good morning, Upward family. So great to see you all today. Thanks for saying something back. I was hoping you would. You guys are looking great today. We want to say a big happy Father's Day to all our fathers. And yes, we're going to do it again this year. Can all the dads stand up so we can give you a big hand of appreciation? Dad, stand to your feet. Come on, let's do it right. Amen. Yeah, awesome. Awesome, dads. So thankful for you. So proud of you. God bless you so much. We want to make a big deal out of you today. I was eating a hot dog just the other day in one of my favorite places in Hendersonville, and the guy behind me was talking about coming to church this Sunday, and he said, yeah, they made a big deal out of the moms, and they won't say anything about us. <laughs> Mother's Day's a big day, and Father's Day, he said, just stinks. <laughs> it is not going to stink for you. Every dad here this morning gets a wonderful crumble cookie in a beautiful pink box. <laughs> yeah, we did that. We did that. Dads, as you leave today, grab a crumble cookie and you will thank us for that. We want to celebrate you today in a big way. Fatherlessness is a huge issue. Kids growing up without dads, without the influence of a strong dad, is a huge I believe a huge part of the problem in our society today, but God's doing some good things. I met with a group of three guys uh, last week, and we're meeting again, I believe, this week, and God put a burden on their heart for fatherlessness, and they want, they're wanting to raise up a group of men to father the fatherless, and I'm really excited about that. I sat down with another guy at lunch this week. He said, I want to start a group of fathers who get together once a month early in the morning and pray together for their children. And I thought, how awesome that is. So if, if God is laying something like that on your heart, please contact Pastor Luke and let him know what God's doing in your heart. But God's moving in that way. So we're excited to have you here for Father's Day. We're in the second part of a three-part series, and we're asking God in this series to visit us. If you don't know it already, here at Upward Christian Fellowship, we're in the middle, right smack dab in the middle. That's really that's very southern there, right smack dab in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We've got about 10 days left. If you're not aware of that, we've been praying and fasting together as a church and believing God to do several things, and it's working. Amen. We're looking in this three-part series at a powerful Old Testament story that occurred about 800 years before the birth of Christ, and it was about a man, a king named Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat, to catch you up quickly, was the, one of the a long line of succession of kings in the kingdom of Judah, 
which was a split from the nation of Israel. Israel had split into Israel and Judah. And Judah was a powerful kingdom headquartered in Jerusalem. And they had a series of kings, some good, some bad, some so-so. Jehoshaphat was a really good king for the most part. And one day he was there and, uh, in Jerusalem and messengers came to him. He had people looking out for him as we talked about last week. And messengers came to him. They said, King, we've really got some bad news. There are three different armies that are marching on Jerusalem right now with the intent to destroy us. King, we're in big trouble. You better do something. And the Bible said Jehoshaphat did two things immediately. Number one, he panicked. Because he's human. He panicked, then he prayed. And I've just got to be honest with you, that's just about how it works in my life. Anybody can relate today and just say, that's kind of how it works in my life. There may be a few among us who say, well, Pastor, I always fall to my knees and pray first. We don't believe you. (laughs) Most of us here are human beings. Panic. And then we pray. We have that moment when we're just like, oh, I just want to run away from home right now. But eventually we settle down a little bit and we pray. Not only did he pray, but he called the whole kingdom of Judah to come together. He called on them, as many as could, to leave their homes and to come together to Jerusalem at the temple and pray and fast together. And we are doing that for 21 days, praying and fasting. How we're doing this is we're pushing away at least one meal a day. We're, and, and for us, for Alexa and I, that meal is kind of skipped around sometimes. Some days it's breakfast, some days it's lunch, some days it's dinner, depending on our obligations and what we have to do. And so one meal a day, we're not eating. That's what fasting is. Fasting is abstaining from food for a period of time for spiritual purposes. We're pushing away a meal, and we're spending the time, and this is very important, we're spending the time we would normally spend eating that meal, talking to God, and we're asking God specifically to do five things. Number one, we're saying, God, visit Henderson County with your presence and with your power. How many believe Henderson County could stand a visitation of God's presence? God can show up and do things that nobody else can do. Secondly, we're saying, God, bring lost souls into the family of God. How many of you have family or friends or people you know that really desperately need Jesus Christ to come into their lives? They need to come into the family of God. And we're saying, God, we want to see people saved like never before. Thirdly, we're saying, God, heal sick bodies. I still believe in a God who heals. Say, how do you know it? Well, the Scripture said Jesus forgave their sins and healed their diseases. Well, another reason, this morning a man walked in and he said this to me. He said, Pastor, i got a story to tell you, and I love to hear these stories. He said, I was diagnosed recently with bladder cancer. He said, I came to men's breakfast on a Saturday morning. Men, the men have a great breakfast, and at the end, oftentimes, they'll put a chair out and say, if you want to be prayed for, sit in this chair, and the men will gather together and pray. He sat in that chair, the men prayed over him, he went back to the doctor for his second procedure, and they searched and said, you don't have bladder cancer anymore. It was gone, nothing. Dave, where are you? Where are you, Dave? I see you over there, you can't hide. Would you stand up, please? I'm so sorry. Would you stand up? Right there, healed of bladder cancer. Right there, right there. Awesome. Hey. 
Don't you tell me God's not healing sick people anymore. He surely is. The fourth thing, we're saying, God, bless our community leaders with courage and wisdom. Give them the courage to lead and the wisdom to know how to lead. And I've just been walking over Henderson County saying, God, bless every, everywhere I walk and everywhere I step. God, I want your blessing to be there as we pray and touch our leaders. Then we're praying for God to provide resources for churches all over Henderson County to accomplish the vision that God has given them. Amen. Amen. Five things. And what's so exciting about this is three other churches have joined with us. We didn't promote it. Three other churches have watched us online and heard about what we're doing. One in Colorado, two in North Carolina have said, we're joining you on this fast. And we didn't think this might be a thing that would multiply, but people in other parts of the country are saying, we need that and we're joining with you. How exciting it is to be a part of something like this. God is doing something great. Now, for some of you, it's your first time fasting. Several people have come to me and said, this is my first time I've ever fasted. This is really hard. (laughs) Anybody been hungry? Raise your hand up. Now, a second question. Anybody been hangry? (laughs) Guy told me, he said, you got to pray for me. My wife started this fasting stuff, and she just got hangry this week. What do I do? I said, feed her. (laughs) But you're learning how to fast. And many of us, too, many are learning how to really pray. Because you've said prayers, and you've said, God, help me. And that's a prayer. You said, Jesus, please help me. That's a prayer. But many are learning how to just take time and pray. And many people have asked me, what exactly do I do when I pray? Do I just make a list and start telling God the things I want? How do I actually spend that time in prayer? If I spend uh, 30 minutes eating that meal, how should I spend that 30 minutes in prayer? Well, we have a wonderful uh, story to look at here, and we're going to see exactly how King Jehoshaphat prayed over the kingdom And we're going to learn three things from him and from his prayer that will help us as we pray. I'm going to ask you to stand today. We're going to do this just a little bit differently today. If you would stand in honor of God's word and in a willingness to receive God's word. Anybody willing to receive the word today? Anybody willing to open your heart? Now, I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. And if you think this is weird, it's okay. You don't have to do it. Can you just put your hands just like this? Some of you are like, they finally got me. My hands are lifted. They got me. Here's what I want to do. I want us to read this word together. Posture is important. And this posture just says, God, I'm here. I'm honoring you. And I want to receive this word into my life today. You ready? Let's read it together. 2 Chronicles 25 through 12. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. 
They said, whenever we're faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now we see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt, so they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. O God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. Amen. May God bless the reading and the reception of his word. You can be seated. Three things Jehoshaphat did in his prayer. Number one and first, he worshipped. He worshipped. He said, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty and no one can stand against you. Notice, he said, God, you are the God of heaven. You rule in the heavens. Then he added this, God, you are also the God of the affairs down on this earth. And no one can stand against you. How many in this room today, or how many watching online, you really believe that to be true? That He is Lord of heaven, that He is Lord of earth, that nothing and no enemy of God can stand against His power, against His strength. That is our God. He is able. He is mighty. When you worship, you really start believing that. It's so important to begin your prayer time with worship. So important. One of the most powerful things you can do is when you take time to pray, worship. Now some of you need a little help understanding worship because we always call worship when we're up here singing. And some of you can't sing. (laughs) I've walked by a few of you. And you're doing your best. The Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord, and you're doing that. Some some of you can't quite clap in rhythm. It's really sad to go to a Pentecostal church, see people just can't quite clap in rhythm. They're trying. You keep trying. God loves your singing. Well, when I say worship, begin your prayer and worship, I don't mean stop and have a song service necessarily, although... That is a good part of worship. Worship is simply this. Worship is telling God who He is. Not that He's forgotten. Not that He needs to know. But you need to remind yourself. See, when you open your prayer time in worship, you're acknowledging the God of heaven and saying, God, you are God up there. And you are also God down here. Amen. So many of us spend our time focusing on our problems. Any of you tend to ruminate over problems? Can I see your hands? Come on, be honest about it. You just tend to think of problems, and then your mind just spins and spins on problem, 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 blah, 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 over and over again. And it starts wearing you out. 
Anybody been mentally exhausted from ruminating over your problems? Anybody? Can I see? I think I hit a button right there. Mentally, I'm just tired of thinking about all that stuff. You know how to get free from that? Take your attention off your problem and focus your eyes on your God. There's a whole lot to praise Him about. He's big. He's powerful. He's everywhere. He can do anything. Oh, you just start telling God how good He is, and guess what? Your problems will start to look a whole lot smaller, and your God will start to look a whole lot bigger. See, the problem with many of us, and I've been right there, I'm not condemning anybody, is I focused on my problems so much that my problems get big and my God gets small. But when I worship, my problems shrink, and my God, my perspective on my God grows, and I start to feel like He can do anything. The disciples asked Jesus this one time, and I'm always amazed at this. Jesus did so much in front of the disciples. They saw sick bodies healed, lepers cleansed, blind eyes open, people raised from the dead. They saw Jesus one time pray over five loaves of bread and two fish and feed thousands of people with that. So when they finally, I, I would have said, Jesus, teach me how to do that. Wouldn't you? How many would like Jesus to teach you how to multiply food? All the people with a bunch of kids say, yes, Jesus. All the people with a bunch of teenagers say, yes, Jesus, teach me to multiply loaves and fishes. Right? That's what I would have asked Jesus, I think. But they did not say that. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Could it be that they understood that all the rest of that stuff came out of his prayer life? Could it be that they saw him pray more than they saw him do anything else? I'll tell you this about Jesus. I've said it many, many times. They were always looking for Jesus. They were searching for him. They'd wake up in the morning, where's he at now? You read the Gospels, you'll see it. Don't just gloss over it. You'll see Jesus was gone somewhere. Many times he rose up early in the morning. And he would get away, and he, was talk, he would talk to his father. Jesus prayed. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. So he gave them a wonderful, and gave us a wonderful template, if you will, for your prayer life. He said, our father, who art, this is how he started the prayer. Our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. NLT says, may your name be kept holy. He began to worship God. Notice he said, God who is in heaven, just like Jehoshaphat said, you are Lord over heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And what did he say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? As it is in heaven. See, that's our job down here. Our job down here as Christians is to manifest the kingdom of heaven on this earth. Jesus never talked about just building a big church with buildings and people. He said, the kingdom of God is near and it's come and I've come to bring it here. Can I get an amen this morning? I'm preaching this morning. You may not know it, but I'm preaching this morning. When we pray and when we worship God, we open the windows of heaven so that heaven and the kingdom of heaven can flow out of heaven into earth so that the authority that's in heaven can be manifest down on earth. Amen. 
so that the God who is in charge can be manifest down here. When we worship, we open the way for that to happen. So I want to challenge you this morning, worship the Lord in your prayer. Don't jump right into requests. How many of you understood that, uh, you understand that if you're married, there's a certain way to talk to your spouse? Any of y'all figure that out? Apparently, I need to stop and teach on that a little bit, but uh, I've learned this about my wife. There's a way to talk to her. There's a way not to. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but the words calm down never work. That's the one thing you can say that never works. Okay, just calm down. It always has the opposite effect. <laughs> On me too. I have a wonderful wife I love very much. You just, you don't talk to her when she's waking up. <laughs> I am at my best at 6 a.m., I've already gone downhill from 6 a.m. If you think I'm obnoxious now, you ought to see me at 6 a.m. Oh, Lord. She's at her worst. She's like a bear coming out of hibernation at 6 a.m. And yes, I'm probably in trouble for that. She's also watching over the online thing, so the comment section online is liable to be lively right now. But uh, there's a way... You ever come in, I've done this before, come in before, and I did this the other day, I got to admit it, I came in and hadn't seen her all day, and I just sat down on the couch, and she was there, and she made her a little flavored water, and I said, bring me one of those, please. I, I don't know if I said please, I just, it felt so bad I had to say it up here. <laughs> bring me one of those. She's like, you came in, you didn't even say hello, you sat on the couch, and said, bring me something. <laughs> I've been married almost 30 years, and I'm still making rookie mistakes. <laughs> Can I just say, <laughs> yeah, don't just take a list to God. He wants your list. He asked for your list. He said, cast your cares on me. He said, ask and you shall receive. He wants your list, and he wants you to unburden your heart for him. But start with worship. Amen. Tell him who he is. The rest of your prayer is going to be more powerful and more faith-filled when you begin with worship. Second thing he did, he worshiped, first of all, then he remembered. He said, oh God... Did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? Did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Jehoshaphat is doing something very powerful here. He's going back in the Old Testament. You see, God made at least four major covenants in the Old Testament with people who served Him in the Old Testament. He made a covenant with Noah. It's called the Noahic Covenant. He made a covenant with Abraham called the Abrahamic Covenant. He made a covenant with Moses. He made a covenant with David. What Jehoshaphat is doing as he prays this prayer 
is he is remembering the promises that God made to his ancestors for that land that he was dwelling in. And he is recalling those and putting them in his prayer to God, saying, God, remember the promises you've made in the past and remember all that you have done in our past as a nation. God, I hold your promises and your accomplishments up to you as a memorial for the covenant relationship we have. He remembered what God has done. Has God done anything for you guys? I want you to understand. My wife and I were riding in the car just yesterday, and she looked over at me, she said, Babe, we've been through some tough times, haven't we? I'm like, yeah, we have. We've been through some tough times. You've been through some tough times. Can I see some hands? How many have been through times when you just wanted to quit? Can I see your hand? How many have been through times when you just said, let's just be honest, this serving Jesus thing, it's just not worth it. You're afraid to raise your hand, but I'll raise it for me. I've just said before, man, I don't know if this is worth the battle I'm facing. I love Jesus. I've never wanted to turn my back on Jesus. I've wanted to quit the ministry before. I just want to say, enough's enough. We went through a battle, you know, for about a year, her battling her health. And uh, I don't know if I told you this last week, but she got reports back and her blood is normal now after 10 months. And um, we cannot say, we cannot say how much we appreciate this church family in your prayers. We cannot tell you how much we thank you for the way you stood with us. So many of you asked and prayed and served in all kinds of crazy ways. And you know, when you've been through some stuff and God's shown himself faithful, you got ammunition for future battles. Some of you have been through the muck and the mire and the storm. Let me tell you something, you're still here. You're still here. Old Bible college professor, a wonderful pioneer missionary, came to me one time. I was sitting on a bench, and I was looking kind of down, and Brother Greenaway came walking by. He was an incredible, legendary Assembly of God missionary, Charles Greenaway. He came walking by me, and he said, Son, look at me. That's the kind of guy he was. I said, Yes, sir, Brother Greenaway. He said, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to make it. <laughs> he wasn't nice about it. You're going to make it. And he was famous for this, and he said this to me, and I'm honored that he said it to me. He said, you won't look like much when you get there, but you'll make it. <laughs> I wish you could have known him. I'm still making it. That old Brother Greenway's right. I don't look nearly as good as I did when he told me that. But I'm still here, and so are you. Because God has shown up in your lives at times when you didn't know what to do. God has been there for you. He's kept His promises in your life. Amen. Some of you today sitting right here and watching, on, you wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for the power of God coming to heal your body. Some of you right here today, you wouldn't have your family. You wouldn't be married right now if God hadn't come in. And changed your life. Amen. Can I get an amen?
Some of you today would be lost and in hell today. But God was faithful. And he chased after you when you were running away from him. And he stayed faithful to his promises. And he's kept you. Praise God. Jehoshaphat just went back and remembered. I think all of us ought to keep a book of remembrance and write this stuff down. Dave, you need to write this down. June of 2022, I went to the doctor who told me I had cancer. And after prayer, he said, it's gone. Then you flip back in that book of remembrance and say, wow, he's been faithful. He's been faithful. Oh, it's been painful at times. There are things I wouldn't want to repeat again. People say, would you do it all over again? I'm like, nope, I'm glad I made it here. Don't want to do it all over again. But oh, I can look back to my life and say, God's been faithful. Amen. Jehoshaphat just remembered the promises of God and remembered all that God had done for the nation of Israel. And he said this, God, you carried us this far. We're believing you to finish. I love God's word. I didn't put this on the screen. But it says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. God started this. He's responsible for it. He's going to finish it. Number one, he worshiped. Number two, he remembered. Number three, he humbled himself. I love this part. Verse 12. Skip to verse 12, if you would. It said, all these people coming to attack him, three armies. He said, oh God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. I love the way the King James Version puts that better than this. It, it says in there, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. It's one of the most famous prayers. It's, one of the, it's a pretty well-known prayer in the Old Testament. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe you're in one now, where you had a problem and you just can't figure out what to do? That's not like Jehoshaphat had a no army. He had a pretty mighty and a powerful army. But he realized his strength wasn't in his armies. His strength was in his God. He realized his strength wasn't in the flesh, but his strength was in the God that he worshipped, the God that he remembered. And he realized the great power in his life was humbling himself before God. It is so hard as a leader to say, I don't know what to do. If you're in a leadership position, you lead anything, you want to appear confident, right? You want to appear like you know what you're doing. You want to appear like you're in charge and you're running this thing and everything's going to be okay because of your leadership. I want you to think I really know what I'm doing. <laughs> the truth, on the other hand, is that I stumble through life just like you do. What's the five-year plan here, Pastor? Well, I've got one, but I'll tell you the truth. Every day I get up and say, God, help me not to mess this up. Every day I get up and say, God, this is your work. 
I don't know what to do next. I've been faced many times in my life, and you have as well, with a problem, with a crisis, and you say, God, I don't know what to do. Our world has changed so incredibly in the last couple of years. I laugh about it, but uh, it's funny now. All of us that are pastors, and we like to do creative things. For the year 2020, everybody was coming up. It was just perfect. We were going to lay out 2020 vision. And you know how that worked out? <laughs> it didn't. Here's our vision for 2020. <laughs> it didn't happen. But God had plans of his own. The world is changing so rapidly that I get a little suspicious of people who are too confident in what they're going to do next. I think a better footing for us today is say, God... We don't really know what to do because we don't know what's about to happen. But one thing we do know, our eyes are straight on you. And we're focused on you. And we're focused on what you're doing. He just humbled himself. One of the greatest things you can do as a leader is to humble yourself and say, you don't know what to do. It's just to admit when you're struggling with direction. And say, God, my eyes are on you. I've been really praying about that and working on that. Because I want my eyes to be on the Lord. I, I see it in the book of John. By the way, in about three weeks, we're going to start a new series called Who is Jesus? And we're just going to look at John chapter 1, the first 18 verses. First 18 verses of John, the gospel of John, is a poet, is a poetry about the word that became flesh. So we're going to take a few weeks and just talk about that. I've been delving in the book of John, and what I keep seeing is Jesus just kept his eyes on the Father, and he did what he saw the Father doing. And every day I've been praying, every day I've been saying, Father, what are you up to today, and what's my role in it? I want to be that way with the Lord. I'm going to show you a picture of my dog. This is Theo. Go ahead and say, aw, it'll make me feel a lot better if you just say, aw, that is the sweetest dog in the world, and uh, he's like our baby, really. I just wanted to show you my dog, that's it. No, I have a point. I have a point in showing you Theo. Theo loves me. I know he loves me. He worships Alexa. It's just the way it is. He loves me because I lay on the couch and he'll come jump on me and I go, whoop, because he weighs like 30 pounds and, and he'll jump on me and, and, but he, and I'll hug him and rub him, but he's got about a five-minute tolerance for me. And in five minutes, he's got to go back to the one he worships. He sits at her feet. If Theo is with me and she walks into the room, he's like, she's here. And he goes up to her. He licks her feet. I don't know how that fits in, but it do probably doesn't. But uh, <laughs> you ever had a corgi? That's what they do. He follows her every move. He knows where she's going. He always wants to be where she is. I'm jealous. I just pray for me. I'm jealous. I look at him and I think, you know, 
I want to be like that with the Father. When he's doing something, take, take him down or they won't hear the rest of this. Um, I want to be like that with the Lord. To worship somebody means you just sit at their feet. Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house, Brother Lazarus, and Martha was working like crazy and like some of us, trying to get everything done for Jesus. And the Bible says Mary, her sister, just sat in the living room. I don't know if it was a living room, but sat in the room at Jesus' feet. Martha comes in, all ticked off. I always picture Martha with a rolling pin and flour. She's rolling out. That's what I picture. And she comes out shaking that rolling pin saying, Jesus, would you tell my sister to get to work? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you worry too much. You're all torn up about all the details. Mary has chosen the best thing, to sit at my feet. God says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't seek all these things. Seek the kingdom first, and all these things come with it. Amen. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and say, Lord, don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. I'm going to quit. I, I read this powerful story, true story, of a missionary. He was a medical missionary in Africa many, many years ago. And he ministered in a lot of small villages. And he was for a period of time in this village that was a couple days' journey away from the nearest supply station, city where they had supplies. And he would go out to this remote village and minister to the people. And every so often in this period of time, he would have to travel to this city to get supplies. And he would take cash with him. And it was a really tough place where there were a lot of gangs and a lot of thieves there that could steal from him and hurt him. He would pray every time as he went. And he had people uh, back home who prayed for him regularly. And he said one day he headed out and the journey was so long from the village to the city that he would often have to camp out in the jungle overnight. And he made one journey into town and when he got there, a townsman approached him and said, uh, you're that doctor, right, that comes in for supplies? And he said, yeah. He said, he said it was a wise move for you to take that guard with you this trip. The doctor said, what are you talking about? He said, it's a good thing you had those guards with you. And he said, what do you mean? He said, well, uh, word is around town that a gang of five young men, notorious gang known for stealing and killing people, they heard you were coming, knew you had money and supplies, and they set out through the jungle with the intention of robbing you. But they came back to the city and they said, we can't touch that guy. They said when we got to his camp, there were 26 armed guards standing around his camp. He said we counted them because there were five of us. We wondered if we could take them. They said there were exactly 26 armed guards around his camp for one guy. So we gave up on that one. The missionary told the guy, he said, nobody was with me. I was camping in the woods by myself. He said, nobody was there. He didn't know what was going on. Months went by. He went on a furlough. I think it was the very next year he went on a furlough, came back to the States. He was visiting a local church, and he was asked to speak to the men's group. 
And he began to tell the men that story. And they started looking at each other. And they said, when was it? He said, well, it was on this date. It was in the middle of the night. And this is funny because I'm telling two men's breakfast stories today. They said, that was the date that we were having breakfast. And it was the same time as this. And on that date, God spoke to the men's group leader that they needed to join hands and pray for that missionary because he was in danger. And the first thing the missionary said is the first thing you're wondering. He said, how many were here? They went back and checked because they took attendance. All the men signed in and there were 26 men in the men's group praying for him that night. Somebody needs to make a movie out of all the exploits that missionaries have done all over the world. Let me just tell you this. God answers prayer. We're worshiping, we're remembering, and we're humbling ourselves. God's going to show up and do some big things. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet right now? Stand to your feet, please, right now. Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. And we just surrender to your will and your work and what you're doing. We surrender our hearts to you and we ask you today, do the work that only you can do. Please bow your head and close your eyes in prayer together with me now. I want to ask, is anyone here this morning that would just lift a hand up high? I will not embarrass you, but you lift a hand up high and say, Pastor, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. I say yes to him. I'm going to follow him all my days. Today, I give my life to Jesus. Can I see your hand right now? Hold him up high. Can I see him? Amen. God bless you. God bless you back there. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Awesome decision. Best decision you'll ever make. Say yes to Jesus Christ. How many would say this? Pastor, I'm going to start to worship like I've never worshipped before. I'm going to take time and tell God how good He is. Can I see your hands? God's just putting that on your heart today. That's what touched you this morning. How many say, I need to remember the promises of God and all the times He's been there for me. May I, may I be boosted by the Holy Spirit in my prayer life just to remember. Can I see your hands? How many would say this? Pastor, and this is powerful. I just need to admit I can't do this. I need to admit that I can't figure this out. I can't do it. And I just need to put my eyes on Jesus. Can I see your hands this morning? A bunch of those this morning. Eyes on Jesus. Right now I'm going to pray with those who are saying yes to Jesus. I want you to pray with me whether here or online. Say yes to Him. Lord Jesus, Thank you for loving me, for giving your life to set me free. Today, I surrender. I give up. I ask your forgiveness come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. From this day forward, I'm your disciple, your student. I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we pray to be blessed? Can you just lift your hands and be blessed right now? I'm going to bless you with a blessing that doesn't sound so blessing. Jacob wrestled with God, one of my favorite biblical characters. He wrestled with God and said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And part of his blessing was this. The Lord touched his thigh and it shrank and caused Jacob to limp. I know that doesn't sound like a blessing, and I don't want you to walk out of here physically limping today. Here's what he did. For the rest of his life, Jacob had a limp from this encounter with God. Hebrews 11, it says of Jacob, it said, 
the end of his life, he worshiped leaning on his staff. And I want you, here's what the blessing is today. I want you to learn to let your limps teach you to lean on God. Some things you're limping with and struggling with right now, and you just wish this thing just needs to go away. I know you want it to go away, but this thing you're dealing with is teaching you to lean on the Lord like never before. And as you lean on Jesus, you're going to get strength and you're going to be more than a conqueror over this and every other battle you're facing. Give it to Him today. That's your blessing today. I bless you with the ability and the grace to give your struggles to Him and learn to lean. With that power and authority, I commission you to go out in the mighty power of the Holy Spirit, power that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in you. Go out and make Jesus known in word, in deed, and in power in your community. In Jesus' name. Love y'all. Thank you so much for being here today. You are a blessing to us. Dads, every dad, get a crumble cookie on your way out of here. Please do. Love y'all. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.